0: What price do we pay for freedom? Everyone yells freedom and equality in the streets, but who decides when we're actually a free country? How many people, when you say, let's go save America, think of God first? What can you do that will truly help save America? You know, I am tired of hearing everything out of the fake news except the truth. If you really think you can keep me from speaking my mind, well, I'm going to have to tell you something. I don't believe we actually have this many people in government who sound like total idiots. I think I have the perfect plan to take the Democrats by storm. They'll never see it coming. They really won't. Hayden Cuvion with week three of your Patriot Show right here on Nougar Radio 92.7. Last week we discussed how God created everything perfect just for man, and this week we're going to break down what man did to cause this perfection to be lost until the end of time. You'll remember God telling Adam, quote, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. This is God's one and only command to the man he created perfect, living in a perfect world. But from the very beginning, man had free will and Satan knew that he could exploit this free will and the fact that humans by nature want to be superior. They're very competitive. So from Genesis chapter three, starting in verse one, we quote, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Now for today, the topic we are covering, there's a lot to digest here. Now we will discuss what part of the perfect creation, specifically of humans, was lost in this verse that we have just read. It is man's trust of God, man's trust that God would tell him everything he needed to know, would provide everything for him, and that God was trustworthy of the serpent saying to the woman, did God really say? And as Eve responds, correcting the serpent's misinterpretation or misrepresentation of God's words, he responds by convincing her that God has lied to her, that she cannot trust God's word. Verse four, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. The serpent is saying to this woman, God is holding this back from you because he wants to be above you. He doesn't want you to be enlightened. He wants you to be restricted. You can't trust him because he does not have your best interest in mind. Eve becomes susceptible as we will see in the next verse. But today we will explore several verses that teach us that God is trustworthy in the face of what the serpent does to the woman by weakening her trust in her God. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So many other times throughout the Bible we are told to trust the Lord. Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Matthew 6:25 records Jesus as saying, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Hebrews 13.8 tells us that God is trustworthy and that indeed he will never change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Deuteronomy chapter 28, starting in verse 1, it says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee, and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. This is God admonishing his own people Israel, just to trust the Lord. David and the writers of the Psalms say constantly that you can trust in God. Psalms 37, four. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, in thy judgment as the noonday. Psalms 46 it says, "Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, I will be exalted in the earth." Psalms 28:7 gives us David's trust in God, saying, "The Lord is my strength and my shield, my heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth with my song, I will praise him." Psalms chapter 9 verse 10 says, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. And several times Paul, teaching after Jesus comes to earth, admonishes us to put our trust in God. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And in Romans 15.3, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Believe, trust. Romans 12, 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And when God says that he will repay, that is a promise you can hold on to. You can trust. God will keep his word. He always does. This trust in God, and specifically in Jesus Christ, is what we call faith. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. And by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Through faith Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised and skipping down to verse 17 again we see by faith Abraham when he was tried offered up Isaac and he that received by promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence he also received him a figure this chapter tells us of more who had faith and whose faith won out because they believed in the promise of God. They believed in what he had told them. They waited on him even in impossible circumstances through impossible odds. And yet their faith won out because God did not let back on his promises. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount upon wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It's trusting what God tells you, trusting that he will bring it to pass, that he does not lie to you, but that he has your best interest in mind. Losing this trust, losing this faith, was the number one thing, the very first occurrence, the first thing that the serpent took away from Eve, that faith, that trust. And once he took away that trust, he could continue on. He could deceive her. He could make her vulnerable. He could bring about his plan to bring evil in the world. And what I have seen in the past couple of days, which I will not share with you, shows me that his plan came about. But Jesus Christ is the ultimate savior. He has already defeated death and the devil, and hell. He has defeated the gates of darkness. The power of hell shall not prevail, because where, O death, is your sting, and where, O grave, is your victory? Because Jesus died on the cross and rose again. He defeated death. He has victory over the grave. Therefore, those who trust, who have that faith, and who leave it in Jesus Christ, to forgive, to love, to protect, and to cleanse of all unrighteousness, those will spend eternity in a perfect world with Jesus Christ. Evil will be defeated. The devil's plan may be thriving, but he knows just as well as I do, just as well as Jesus does. He knows that he has already been defeated, but what he is doing now is just blowing smoke, that the war is not here, but in the heavenly realm. And if you remember that and you leave your faith in Jesus Christ, you know that he has already won. So whatever the devil does to you, one day if you have that faith, you will wake up. Looking in the face of your savior, he will tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. That faith is what will carry you into his arms and into his eternity. And we know that he allows things to happen. He allows the devil to take his hold. But one day we will understand. It is explained in 1 Corinthians 13:12. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even also as I am known. Everything will be made clear to us. We will see God face to face. We will understand his perfect nature, his infinite presence, his perfect love. We will see all of that In person no more guessing no more speculating no more asking why bad things happen to good people everything will be clear to us God's love and God's plan we will be the wiser we will see him face to face all of the sorrow will go away let's get to your daily headline Governor Bill de Blasio of New York City, New York, wants you to be on track for a vaccine mandate. Listen to this. If my kids were going to school in September, I would be running to get them vaccinated right now. And, and like was said a moment ago, you, we used to do this as parents all the time for a variety of vaccinations. We've got to shake people at this point and say, come on now, we tried voluntary. You know, we could not have been more kind and compassionate as a country. Free testing everywhere you turn, incentives, friendly, warm embrace. Monetary. The voluntary phase is over. We can keep doing those things. I'm not saying shut it down. I'm saying voluntary alone doesn't work. It's time for mandates because it's the only way to protect our people. I don't guess I need to tell you not to try and visit New York anytime soon because I'm sure that whether or not that mayor has the power to mandate that his citizens get vaccinated, he will most undoubtedly try and do so. Just a little bit of warning for you know who's who and what they want because this vaccine is going to be your condition for just about everything your lives will not be back. You won't get your lives back unless you get the vaccine. You won't get your businesses Small businesses are gonna to totally close. You won't be able to fly in airplanes. Who who knows, you won't be able to drive through any borders. They'll put up a bunch of toll booths again and start not charging you to go through. Or maybe they will because they have to have money. This country is bankrupt, spending it on failed policies. But it won't just be for the tax money. They'll be checking to see if you're vaccinated or you can't go into another state. Some states don't wanna let you in if you're not vaccinated. I'm sure that New York is eager to be added to that list. Between Governor Cuomo Governor de Blasio. I know for a fact that they can't wait to get everyone required the vaccine. Now listen to what Biden has to say. Will you require all federal employees to get vaccinated? That's under consideration right now, but if you're not vaccinated, you're not nearly as smart as I thought you were. So there you go, America. I don't know how smart Joe Biden thought that reporter was, but your president, your commander in chief is saying your intelligence must be a bit lower if you haven't got the vaccine. So what do you think? Do you think you should go out and run for the vaccine? Or perhaps should you tell the Democrats that they can just get over it, that you'll get vaccinated or not based on what you decide to do? What price do we pay for freedom? Everyone yells freedom and equality in the streets, but who decides when we're actually a free country? How many people, when you say, let's go save America, think of God first? What can you do that will truly help save America? You know, I am tired of hearing everything out of the fake news, except the truth. If you really think you can keep me from speaking my mind, well, I'm going to have to tell you something. I don't believe we actually have this many people in government who sound like total idiots. I think I have the perfect plan to take the Democrats by storm. They'll never see it coming, they really won't. Hayden Kuvian here and welcome to the CC Patriot Show. A lot has gone on since yesterday's episode was recorded, but yesterday we discussed The first of the aspects of the fall of man in which man decided not to trust God anymore. He would trust his own authority, his own judgment, and lies that he heard above God. So we've been through a lot of changes, we're now the CC Patriot Show, ccpatriot.us, now the official name of the CC Patriot website. Patriot is such a common word, now you go on Google, you search Patriot, you find all kinds of things, but you can search for CC Patriot anywhere find all of these things wherever you're looking for them Your podcasts videos on YouTube the website any search engine just type in CC Patriot and you're sure to find what you're looking for so let's go ahead and jump right back in where we left off discussing how man decided not to trust God he decided to trust his own intellect and lies that he heard above God and we know what that got him in when he sinned God decided in his justice that he would not live in a perfect world because he had marred it so he was condemned to die as all men are condemned to die we groan under the penalty of sin all animals all men everything suffers under that every aspect of creation we know that's not the end but we can't get ahead of ourselves that is far into the future so let's speak on the second aspect of what was destroyed in the second week of our series six weeks with God. yesterday we saw how man decided well man actually lost his trust in the perfect god who had created him who had created man in a perfect way and instead decided to trust the intellect or the apparent intellect of the serpent more subtle than any beast of the field which the lord god had made he knew exactly what to say he knew exactly what to exploit because the perfect man which god had created was still created in god's image that means he had thoughts of his own and those were the things his free will which the devil which satan in the serpent exploited in eve that was her greatest weakness she lost her trust in the god who had told her you cannot eat of this tree and so she decided that he could she could trust the serpent better than god this was her first downfall today we will look a bit briefly at the destruction of the perfect harmony the relationship between God and the man that he had put in the garden and nature itself. Because already as we read chapter 3, we see, first of all, the relationship between man is weakening as consistently Adam blames Eve and then Eve turns around and blames the serpent. We see the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him in verse 9 of chapter 3, Where art thou? And he said, I have heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Being honest there and saying that he did eat, but immediately referring to the woman as if hoping that what must have been anger on God's part, which Adam and Eve could have seen at that moment, which is not described here in the Bible, hoping that some of that would have been deflected off of him and onto Eve, not thinking quite as much of her, but deflecting some of his own responsibility. But Eve's responsibility was there. As we read on, the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman, the woman does the same thing. The woman said, the serpent beguiled me serpent deceived me, tricked me, and I did eat. And then the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now I notice an interesting thing, a distinction already here in chapter 3, between man and the rest of nature. When God comes to man, he asks man, What have you done? He asks Who told you you were naked? What have you done? What is going on with you? But when he comes down to the serpent, he doesn't ask a question. He lays down judgment. This immediately puts a distinction that a lot of people don't like to recognize between man, between humanity, and between nature. God has a respect for nature in that it is his masterpiece, but he also has an ultimate sense of authority over nature, a no questions asked kind of relationship that he did not have with man. With man, it was more of a friendship, a unity, the perfect harmony between God and man that was destroyed when Adam sinned. God came to Adam, said, where are you? Like calling to your friend, your friend has gone and done something It may not be right or maybe he's gotten lost. You say, where are you? And the woman, he, he asks Eve, what have you done? And you can almost hear the sense of, of love and maybe not pity, but of sorrow in God's voice as he asks. But he comes down to the serpent and doesn't ask a question, he immediately issues a punishment, a curse. But after he's asked the questions, he does move on to humans. First in 15, he says, I will put enmity between thee, the serpent, and the woman, and between thy seed and her sheep. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And unto the woman, moving up, Backwards again from the way he came down, he says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And in verse 19, it continues, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. This, there's a lot packed into this these few verses, and not very few, actually 10 verses, between verse 9 and verse 19, where God is, we see God's relationship between man distinct from that which he has with the rest of the creation, which is faltering here because of this 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 choice that man has made to turn away from God to turn In a sense man has turned toward nature the woman we don't know how much Eve understood what the serpent who the serpent was what was behind him what his motive was how much of this she understood what she mainly understood and what took her in Was the way he was appealing to her you shall be like gods knowing good and evil you shall not surely die you can't really trust what god is saying god has not god doesn't know this or maybe god left this part out he didn't tell you this eve is turning from a perfect god who even after he knows what happened is still loving and kind to the crown of his creation Adam and Eve in this instance have turned, they have turned their trust away from God, and they have destroyed a perfect relationship, or potentially destroyed a perfect relationship between the God who created everything, a relationship which they don't share with anything in nature. It is between them and God, exclusively. But this isn't the end of the story. God loves us so much that as we continue we continue to see his mercy. In verse 20 it says, Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was to be the mother of all living. And in verse 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. And the Lord God said, behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore God sent, him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the Tree of Life. As much of a punishment, as much of a cut as this may seem, a terrible thing, a sadness, I'm sure that Adam understood. Adam lived 930 years, and in all that time, Did he not come to understand that if humans, in the sinful state which he himself, in large part, in fact, which he bears all the responsibility for bringing on man, does he not possibly understand that for him to live forever, for any human to live forever at that point would be more harm than a blessing? And therefore, God's mercy extends even here. Man makes the decision To destroy this perfect relationship and yet at the same time it is still there because god loves us unconditionally we'll get to this in future chapters but we'll briefly touch on it here in everything we will read between here and the next two or three weeks of this series we will see over and over again god's mercy god's continuous need for fellowship with humans it's it doesn't fail it doesn't change God always chases after us when we run away. And we will even see, in at least one other instance, the difference between God's relationship with us and with the rest of nature, in which it is obvious that God has a special concern for man that he does not have for anything else in his creation. None of the rest of the creation sinned against God. The stars did not eat the forbidden fruit. Horses have not lied. They have not cheated. And yet God still loves us so much more that we do all of those things which are important to him because he knows that he will give us the ultimate gift and that one day humans will have the choice which he created them with. This is the ultimate fulfillment of his love. And in that day, every human, every man alive will see God's love. We will be blown away. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Evil will be over and done. Perfection will finally rule the earth. The perfect law of God, knowing no pain, no sorrow, no evil intent, no malice, no hatred, that perfect harmony, that perfect trust, and what we will discuss later in this week, everything will be restored to its former state. And in this time, it won't be taken away by deception. This will last forever. So with all this to look forward to, let's go ahead and stop for today. We'll come back to this tomorrow and examine more of the fall of man. Right now, let's get to your daily headline. A brand new development for you on Today's daily headline, some words for Dr. Fauci on your individual rights. You get to hear what he thinks about your rights and when it may be time to give them up. Oh, sorry about that. We seem to have played the wrong clip. Let's see if we can get the right one pulled up for you. I think they've been incorrectly labeled. Indeed, you do have personal liberties for yourself and you should be in control of that. But you are a member of society and as a member of society, reaping all the benefits of being a member of society, you have a responsibility to society. And I think each of us, particularly in the context of a pandemic that's killing millions of people, you have got to look at it and say, there comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual right of making your own decision for the greater good of society. Not sure exactly who he thinks is are supposed to make the decisions for us. I suppose it's his good self in this case. However, I think we'll just have to agree to disagree on that point and maybe make a little bit of noise about it. Um, I think that as Americans, especially the adults out there, are old enough, wise enough, and mature enough, in most part, to make their own decisions. Hayden Cuvion, this has been the CC Patriot Show. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. No, no, don't speak. For some moments in life, there are no words.